Welcome back to Fleshing It Out with Samantha Spittle, where we are tackling shame triggers and we are currently in our parenting series. Today's guest is Dawn Gashir with Yes to Life Coaching. She's a life and empowerment coach, as well as a mother to five adult children. Today, she is discussing parenting with regrets. And I know we live in a world where we hear no regrets, live with no regrets, don't get sucked into regrets. Um, And of course, we never want to stay in the places of guilt and shame. But Dawn offers a beautiful perspective of how regrets can be teachers for us. If we lean into them and listen to what they can teach us, they can actually help us. And so sit back, enjoy Dawn, Gashir, and I discussing parenting with regrets. You know, parenting, it's funny when you have kids like babies, you know, it's so in your world, it's it's your whole life. And I remember when my daughter was born and just thinking, this is my whole life. I'm never going to have a break. I'm never going to be away from this. And now, you know, with her being in middle school, I'm like, this is truly fleeting. You know, they're not little forever, but it is this parenting these 18 years that we're with our kids, though, it's funny, like it impacts the rest of their life and our life because they become adults and the relationship changes. And we talked about that on the first podcast about how, you know, you being a parent to adult children now and how the phases change. And you said something recently online that sparked my interest, which is parenting with regrets. And so I would love to dive into that Mm -hmm. today, Dawn. So why don't you introduce yourself? Well, I am Dawn Gashir, and I'm an empowerment life coach. And I focus really on coaching women in particular, although I definitely coach some men as well. And the women I coach mostly happen to be mamas or have that mama's heart somehow at their core. And since I'm a mama to five amazing young adults, I am drawn to empowering mamas and particularly empowering mama bears uh, to be mama bear, not only to their kids, which comes naturally for so many of us, right, as parents, but to be mama bears for themselves. That's what really gets me jazzed. So the idea of parenting with regrets, that has become so clear to me over the years that this idea, we're not going to have regrets, we're going to have no regrets. Even the saying no regrets is just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely messed up. And it takes us into this guilt and shame around our parenting because every single mistake we make, every time we wish that we had done something differently, we recognize we just screwed it up. And, oh, this guilt that comes in and we're, we're regretting it. And then it's followed by, I don't want any regrets, no regrets. Cause the culture around us says, you know, 
the ideal is to get to the end of this parenting journey, whenever that is, which it really never ends, but get to the the part where they're raised and we don't have any regrets. Well, that's impossible. And it sets us up for, I think, a little bit of that toxic positivity culture or, you know, mindset where it's no regrets. Okay. This thing happened, but I'm going to find the good. And I'm a big believer in good can come out of the really bad stuff, but there's a lot of emotions and anger and blindly this no regrets, you know, mindset just feel like for at least me encourages us to just shove all the stuff down. So we stuff it all down and then we expect that it's all okay. And we're making our way back toward no regrets Mm. where we're suddenly finding the learning in what we did wrong and we've recognized it now. And so we're going to get closer to no regrets. It's like, there's this uh, spectrum sort of thing. And, you know, wherever you're falling with the amount of regret you're in right now, but you can move yourself closer to the end of the spectrum that says no regrets. And that's just ridiculous. We have to stop living with the thought that either we're going to have no regrets or we're going to have a shit ton of regrets. Mm-hmm. So we think that there's this, this either or, right? And of course, it's not. There's, we're never going to reach the place where we're parenting and we're doing it all with no regrets. So I'm wondering, and I may be repeating myself, but it's, is living in a no regrets parenting mindset setting ourselves up for disaster when it comes to connecting with our children. Yes. And can you explain that more? Cause I was going to explain what I meant by that, but I would actually love to just have you dive into what does that mean? Yeah. I cut you off, didn't I? But that's okay. It's because my immediate response was, well, yes, we're absolutely setting ourselves up and we're believing something that just isn't true. It's not real. So yes, it's that toxic positivity you were talking about where you think that you can get to this place where everything's just okay. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to parent with no regrets and I'm going to reach this magical place where, you know, I, I really have arrived. And so each time we wallow in the shame or a regret, instead of just listening to it and being with it, like even allowing ourselves to just go, Ooh, Oh, what did I do? What did I just say to my child? Mm -hmm. Where did that come from? And And we can't take the words back. We know that. And we can't, we can't undo. But if we don't sit with the fact that, wow, 
I just really effed this up. Mm -hmm. I hurt my child. I see it on their face or I see the fallout from it, from what I was saying or the path I took. Why did I do that? If we don't just allow ourselves a bit of time with it and know that, yeah, there's regret. I regret it and it's okay that I regret it because yeah, I know better. I should have. And now I'm going to listen to my regret. I'm going to listen to what it's telling me. What's it showing me? And I'm not going to feel shame around it or at least not for very long. And I'm not going to sit and wallow in some sort of guilt and try to overcompensate for it with my child. But instead, I'm going to let that regret become my teacher. It's showing me something. It's telling me something. And so when I get the chance, and it's usually not in that moment at all, because parenting is so much on the fly, right? But when I get the chance to sit and process it, then I can own it, process it, be with it. If I'm feeling guilty over it, I can, I can let myself feel guilty and then see what it teaches me and move on and learn, and figure out a better way. And hopefully I can circle back with my child if they're old enough, if they they can even have the conversation, if they're developmentally there. And I can say, you know, I saw your face when I said this. I think I hurt you. I think I messed up. What do you think? Was that what I was seeing on your face? What's going on? Do you want to talk about it again? And they might say no. They might have moved long past it, which is another reason not to focus on no regrets and making that the goal of our lives is to have no regrets. When I was listening to you, when you said, let regret be my teacher, I thought it's brilliant. And so uncomfortable. And this goes back to the, oh my gosh. So you're telling me that when we are unpacking shame and all of this growth and healing stuff, once again, we have to get comfortable getting uncomfortable because it really sucks to sit in regret and guilt. And, and that's the thing, like it's the not letting the shame take over, but that these feelings of regret and guilt aren't a bad thing in and of themselves because those are Mm -hmm. healthy emotions that show your empathy, you know, and your connection to others. And Mm -hmm. I just, I love that idea of letting them be your teacher, you know, befriending those things instead of running from them. Yeah. And they don't just, um, they don't just lead us to empathy, but they're actually, they're actually our teachers in the sense that They reveal our humanity. I mean, Mm -hmm. for one, if we're human beings, 
And we get this child arriving in our lives. Even if we wanted that child passionately, this this little person arrives and we're responsible for them and for their well-being, but we're human Mm -hmm. and we're flawed and we're going to mess it up. So if we set ourselves up with the expectations that there is a right way to parent, yes, a perfect way to do this. Mm-hmm. And right about now, I'm picturing a lot of mamas saying to themselves, well, oh, yeah, I agree with you. There's no right way, no perfect way of doing it. But I'm curious around whether those same mamas actually do hold somewhere in their being, in the back of their minds, in themselves, this belief that there is a right way and a wrong way, that there is a good way to do this and a bad way to do this. There's parents out there living in a binary world where it's either or And it's not a yes and. Yes, there are good ways to parent our kids. There are marvelous things we can do as parents. Much healthier things we can do as parents. There's a healthier path. But to live with this either or, in fact, I've been thinking so much about this no regrets thing. And I've been thinking, Do we understand that our parenting is just one big science experiment Mm -hmm. or a series of science experiments? That's what it is. It's trial and error. It's science experiments where sometimes you have the right control, the right variables. You know, sometimes you set up the experiment and wow, you get the data and the results and it goes well. And sometimes it just doesn't happen the way you hoped. Nope. And I know for a fact that there are parents out there because I am one of them, because as you were talking, I was like, "Ah, yep. Preached on. There's no right way. There's no (laughs) right way. And then, you know what my brain immediately did? It said, yeah, that's true. But Sam, these are the ways you really are screwing up your parenting. The Yeah, there's no right way, but studies have shown that if you eat at the dinner table every night together, well, my, my family's always eating. We're, and also we're in a pandemic. I have to give myself a little grace, but my brain's already keeping a tally sheet of all the ways that I'm not doing it right. And mm-hmm. so for someone that has read the books, you know, when the kids were young, for someone who reaches out to mentors, someone who started a podcast to get all this wisdom and grace and, and insight. I mean, this isn't, this is universal, not just parenting. This is like living life that there's not one exact path. And I feel like that's like the message that so many parents need to hear. You know, we, we go into it, we search the blogs or the podcasts or anything looking for the answers. And I mean, it almost sounds like the, the corny movie, you know, like, it's in you all along, but 
by dang it, it's true. You know, with our kids, each of our kids are different. Like you said, with the science experiment, I mean, it goes to show how kids raised in the same home, same kids, or I mean, different kids, but they turn out different. And I'm understanding more and more. It's like, oh, because what, what works for one might not work for the other. One might need more tender care. One kid might need you to talk about the way you let them down and hurt them and wants to process it. And the other one, if you did that to them, that would be too much. Like we need to, we need to be moldable. And it can change on any given day, what they need and what they want and where they're at because they're whole people, right? They're, they're their own entities separate from us and they have their own needs and wants and personalities and styles and reactions. And we do too. And both of us matter. Mm. What we're experiencing and feeling and thinking matters and what they're thinking and feeling matters. And so together you get these separate human beings that are coming together in this very dependent relationship at first. But just because there's a dependency that they have on us, because they're little and they're developmentally not ready for some things. That's very different than understanding that they're still a separate being with this, I believe this God-given amazingness, their creativity, their their stunning selves. And we're getting to guide and parent them on their journey, but they're separate from us. Mm-hmm. And they're going to mess it up. We're going to mess it up. I'm just now realizing that you're describing my life because <laughs> I. So I remember when people would say things like, I am not who I was 10 years ago, that for most people might be a beautiful thing to hear. Oh, it's wonderful. You're not the same. You're constantly growing and changing. And, and, you know, here I am talking about, you know, part of this whole thing is growing, but if I'm being honest, I, from very early on, almost as much as I wanted to remember, I wanted to be who I thought I should be like at the end of it all, like, Mm -hmm. so at, you know, as teenage Sam, she's as wise as current day Sam, you know, I don't, I don't want to be less wise or less smarter. Um, And when I mean wise, I don't mean necessarily intelligence. I mean, like having life figured out or something, you know, Mm -hmm. and then knowing that I don't have it figured out because that's the right thing to say. Right. Cause I know that I'm not supposed to have life figured out, but I really have, you know, and you know, part of a lot of the stuff that I've walked through the last couple of years, I realized that a big part of my shame story was, oh, my life now has, well, regrets. We'll use that term because that's kind of what we're talking about today. Um, the term I've used is like, you know, black marks or something or red marks, you know, the way you would mark up like a, 
a paper, you know, my English major self, you know, you have your, your edits and stuff. And it's like, oh, I was trying to get out of this life with the least amount of corrections on that. And mm-hmm. what a stressful place to live in. And now with the lens of parenting, the question that popped into my head while you were talking was, if we're living with regrets or striving, I should say, if we're striving to live our life without regrets, which could also be known as failures, mm-hmm. what message are we sending to our kids? Because kids are going to screw up, right? Yeah. And you said the word striving. Mm-hmm. And anytime we're striving for anything, uh, some people think of that as a wonderful word, right? Striving, persisting, persevering, um, endurance, striving, working hard. But there's an element, there's a, a side to striving that is really, really dangerous and it's harmful to us. And it's, it means an uptight parent Mm. and it even brings this sense of pressure and stress to a child if they pick up on it, which they usually do. Yep. Oh yeah. So our kids pick up on the fact that we have in mind that they're going to turn out right that they've got these outcomes we're looking for. And our kids have in mind that in our parenting, we want to do it right with as few regrets as possible or no regrets, ideally. And so they pick up on that stress, that pressure. And life becomes a striving for something that doesn't even exist something that's not even attainable or possible. But more importantly, life becomes so much hard work in parenting that we're not having fun with it, that we're not leaning into what shows up. Are we really present to our kids? If we're trying to always respond correctly, even in the moment. So it's this this goal that, you know, kids come to us. And for one, they surprise the hell out of us all the time. They say and do things that are unpredictable. And instead of letting that arrive into the space with us and just stepping back and leaning into this sense of, oh, you just said that? You just did that? And reacting and then immediately regretting and trying to fix it and scrambling to take back what we just think we screwed up. What if we just stay present, both humans, both messy, and we just lean into our kids and we kind of trust the process of just working through what's ever happening between us whatever miscommunication we just had, whatever we thought they were going to do and then they didn't and it disappointed us. And so we react and, but then we regret how we reacted. It just becomes this frenetic thing and this pressure. Sometimes I just want to sit with 
mamas. And I do this on Monday nights with my Monday mamas, actually. I just want to sit with them and just hold the space with them like a hug, even if they're not a hugger. Just hold the space and just let them be with their regrets that day. Let them be with their tiredness from wanting to be such a great mama, because it's okay to want to be a great mama. I mean, really, I wanted to be a great mama. Still do. I still do. And I sometimes still have regrets. We just had our five home all together. For the first time in two years, we were all under the same roof. And I wanted it to be wonderful and amazing every minute. I could feel it. I could just feel this this romantic, idealized goal of, oh, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And we're going to, it's going to be so wonderful. And and what if some so-and-so is in a bad mood? Or what if this? Or what if that? Or what if this ruins it? And then COVID happened to one of them. And now what if? And you just realize that when they all leave again to go to their respective homes, I'm sitting here and yeah, I have some regrets about little moments, about some things that I wish we had done differently in responding when when one of them got COVID. Yeah, I have regrets and that's okay because I also have amazing memories and I also have those joy moments and they're all mixed together. It's all part of the deal. And I wouldn't have traded having them all home for anything. And I'm so grateful for it. But to look back and say, I don't have any regrets about anything that happened while they were home. That's just bullshit. But to sit with shame Mm. over the regrets I have. So instead, those regrets have become my teachers. And that's what I was going to ask you is the flip side. You know, in the beginning, we talked about avoiding this no regrets mentality because it keeps us from living in reality. And so you just so beautifully said that. And with talking about your kids coming home, like you are looking at what really happened instead of this dream world where there's no regrets. It was a perfect time with everyone home because everyone, if you've got a family, you know, that it's never just all wonderful. And so being okay with regrets, it's staying in reality, but then how do you not stay there? And you, and you started to touch upon it with how do you not get overwhelmed with the shame? Because that's the thing. I think so many people live in this no regrets and don't want to face sit with the uncomfortableness. Like we talked about earlier, you know, we don't want to sit in the uncomfortableness. And so you talked about letting shame be our teacher. And so what are some maybe practical ways people can start sitting with regret, embracing, befriending the regret, letting it be your teacher? And then moving out of that place. And for me, I always think about it as like a mud pit and kind of needing, you know, trying to get out and it just, you're, you're climbing and climbing and you're sinking back in and that rope, 
whether that's medication for mental health that I, that's my usual example, but you know, what, what's that rope that we can kind of be in the mess, be on the uncomfortableness, but then move forward. Yeah. That's a great question. I love that question. And something you said, you said that we can be with our shame and sit with it. And it, I want to reframe that if I may a little bit to not, not be with our shame. Cause I think when our shame shows up, if it's, if it's really shame mm-hmm. versus guilt, yeah. if it's really shame and sometimes those two are hard to differentiate and yeah. I think we easily slide into shame, but when yeah. shame shows up, I don't think we want to spend very long in it. They're pretty connected and guilt can sometimes be unproductive and it can be, For sure. it can be just this place we start to wallow in and we get stuck in it. Like you were talking about with the mud. Well, and I think that's why this no regrets is so appealing because if you, because regret gets you close to that place. So I guess that's like, with the question is regret feels like you're knocking on the door to guilt and shame. Yeah. So how do you stay in the regret place to, to let it be your teacher without getting into that? guilt and shame. Yeah. So here's one of my regrets when they were home, we were having this conversation uh, with my daughters and I, a couple of my daughters and I, and we were, we were in this conversation and one of my daughters just kind of said something off the top of her head about the past and times when I would make them Uh, feel guilty when they came home for time spent up in their rooms alone. And that, that they experienced me as pressuring them. Even if I didn't say it, they Mm -hmm. felt pressure to always hang out with the family, to always be with them. And I didn't perceive myself that way anymore. I definitely don't feel that way anymore because I've become more and more of a loner and I love my solitude. And I even got triggered and I'm using that in a very broad sense, of course, but I was just immediately like, what? I did not, I could not. Oh, oh shit. And oh, that's terrible. And regret showed up. Then the more I was able, I reacted at first. And then we had this little rub of a conversation because we're really good at that. My daughters and I are really good at talking through stuff. And the men all just in our family, anyway, the guys in our family just sort of walk away quietly and wait till it's over. Uh, And we like working through it. We like processing it. You're comfortable being uncomfortable. We really are. Yeah, Yeah. pretty much. So I regretted it. And that particular regret allowed me later, because we didn't spend a lot of time on it then, but later I was able to process through it, both in my journaling and reflect on it and self-reflect on it. And I acknowledged to myself, even I owned it. And I was able to say, yeah, I never thought about 
when I was being this mama bear gathering all her cubs home and wanting every minute and greedily just, oh, more, more, more. I didn't, I didn't think about the impact on them and how they might need their own time apart from this busy, full bunch of seven people all in the same small room and space and how they might need time to process their own shit Mm -hmm. and be apart and get their solitude. And I felt selfish and greedy and all the things. But as long as I didn't stay there, as long as I didn't live there in that world of regret, the regret that I felt taught me new things, gave me new insights. And now moving forward is going to really, and it already did this visit, it changed the visit because I understand now like how I came across and how they were experiencing me and it taught me something. And all that to say for the mamas listening who have little ones, there are a thousand moments every day where we're going to do something and later think, Ooh, I wish I hadn't. But if we can just say, all right, is it a big deal? Is it a big regret? And is it a pattern? Because with me, that would have been a pattern in the past, that particular regret. And now what's it teaching me? What's it showing me? And it's going to move us forward and we're going to be better off for it even. Because somehow that discomfort and, you know, our humanity and our relationships that get so messy we're able to stay in it, stay in the discomfort long enough to say, oh, huh, I do regret that. But I'm kind of glad this popped up because it showed me something I hadn't seen before. It's my teacher now. There's this saying I've always loved. I heard it first in The King and I. When the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Mm -hmm. And I think our regrets are our teachers if we let them be. You talking about your daughters and what they shared with you and the way you kind of wrapped it up. I thought that is a beautiful tie in and kind of our t- a loop back, if you will, as we wrap it up with when I asked you, does it help build stronger connections with your kids when you live with regrets? And so as you were talking, I thought, oh, what a beautiful wrap up one reason you have been, you know, such a beautiful friend and mentor and VIP is kind of this, it's the long gaming and where it's that, you know, a healthy relationship with my kids when they're adults, you know, that's because I want to raise them not the right way because there's not a right and wrong, even though my brain tries to tell me there is, but it's that connection, you know, wanting them, wanting to feel connected to them now and wanting Mm -hmm. to feel connected to them later with a healthy detachment which we talked about in a previous episode, but back to the connection. When I was listening to your story about your daughters, I thought what a gift we can give our children 
Because when they see us modeling healthy detachments, as well as healthy regrets, Mm -hmm. where we don't sit in the guilt and the shame, where we allow regret to be our teacher, it gives them the freedom to communicate. And then we're able to have emotional intimacy and emotional intimacy. It's having real connections, having real conversations about how we're feeling. And we're not going to get out of this life unscathed without any regrets. Or as I said before, you know, like the marks on the paper and hiding it or trying to believe that we need to always turn it into something wonderful. I think just keeps us living in that superficial place instead of digging deep. Yes. And if I may, I would love to say to the mamas and or papas out there that being able to take a few minutes in the morning to look at the day and be super intentional with what you're hoping for that day, with how you're doing that morning and and taking some intentional time for yourself in the morning is critical but then understanding that any intentions you had could all blow up in your face and the day could go nothing like you thought it would and getting to the end of the day. And what if you just take a few moments at the end of the day, no matter how tired you are and just jot down your regrets from that day. I regret this. I regret that. And just jot down a few things, especially the things that are just still sitting with you by the time you go to bed. Name it. Yeah. And they won't bite you, but just write them down and then just find a way right before you go to sleep to look at them. Okay. Tomorrow's a new day. And here are my teachers moving forward. Thank you, teachers. And do whatever practice you need to do to then let go of any lingering guilt or shame that shows up. Just a few minutes reflection because you're so worth it. You're so worth it to take that time. Beautiful. Dawn, thank you so much for sharing today. And I know that you have um, some really great things going on. So if parents or anyone, parents at heart, but have that parent heart that you talk about to get in touch with you, to join your community, how can they do that? Oh, there's a lot of different ways, but for mamas in particular, I have a group of Monday Mamas. There's a Facebook group for anyone, a community open to all. And then every Monday night, I meet with a group of mamas who are member mamas to it. And that's just a small paid subscription. And they pay each month as they go. And they show up with me on Monday nights. And it's group coaching around various topics. And it's not a space where we come together and figure out how to problem solve or give each other a lot of parenting advice. It's a place where they get to just be people, women, moms, mamas, and we deal with topics that grow us all and get us all thinking and we share together life. And it's amazing. And then they can also email me, Dawn, at YTL, which is yes to life coaching.com. Uh, they can also 
reach out to me. I have a website, ytlcoaching.com. And I have also started a Caring Bridge page when I was diagnosed with breast cancer that's surprisingly become quite the journal of around my breast cancer journey, but it's also uh, just a way for us to realize how to work through really hard things and um, find whatever resources and strength show up for us and draw on all all of them and to live intentionally. Because what I want for mamas is to live intentionally, but also to then when things go awry, be able to take whatever comes along like breast cancer and um, resource ourselves. So those are some places they can find me. And I love having conversations with mamas. So there's a scheduling link that they can find on, if they go to my Instagram account, um, they'll click on the link and they'll be able to click on the scheduling link and just set up a chat time with me. Um, I'd love that. Either 30 minutes of just connecting over coffee or whatever beverage you choose. Mm-hmm. And, or it, they can set up a sample coaching session if they want to get a sense of what empowerment coaching is all about. I love that. Thank you, Dawn. Thank you for sharing, um, of course, all of your beautiful insight and wisdom after raising and continuing to be a mama of five adult children and your powerful resources with your Monday Mamas group and your coaching. I know that it just changes and it changes not only the moms, but their families too. It makes such a big impact. So thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Flushing It Out with Samantha Spittle where we explore growth and healing through vulnerable conversation. Our hope is that you feel seen and find tools for growing resiliency and tackling your own growth and healing. Be sure to subscribe and check out the VIPs and other resources at samanthaspittle.com. This has been a Spitfire production. thing I've ever heard.